0: You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksintheBasement.com. Dave, I'm sitting in a bar on Saturday night. My kids are driving me absolutely up the wall. Not your bar, huh? No, not my bar. I need to get out of my house. (laughs) Okay. I was like, I have to get out of my house. My wife had been running around doing stuff, getting ready for the holidays, and she comes home, and she sees the look on my face, and she's like, this poor bastard. (laughs) I left him with these three children, and they're climbing the walls, you know, as they get ready for Santa to come, and it's just like, it's just the worst like that the anticipation makes them all nuts these last few days beforehand she takes me out to a local tavern we're sitting there i order a drink i had a they had guinness now inside of uh, bourbon barrels guinness is the side of their jumping onto the bourbon barrel thing i'm drinking I, this thing i'm like god ah, it's pretty good
1: as i am don't, don't i don't drink guinness and my though. wife
0: is talking about some hot rum thing with a cinnamon stick that you just paid $12 for that I'm like, that looks Which disgusting. Which has like no alcohol right. in Probably. probably. And she's right, all right, excited because right. it's the holidays she's drinking. And I take my little phone, I look down at it, and I've got a string of text messages. Yes. Unreal. Go socks! And I'm like, what do they do? That's Saturday night. Everybody's drinking. Yeah, apparently. everybody's drunk. Yeah, right. everybody's, everybody's like super excited. And I, I, as I scroll through these multiple text messages, I just see Keiko. And I'm like, come on, they didn't sign Dallas Keiko. They didn't didn't sign a Scott Boras client. They did, in fact. And I go on Twitter, and then as soon as I read it, I yelled out loud in the bar. Like, people all stopped (laughs) trying to figure out. I was like, yeah! Like, I was like, (laughs) Just like, because what makes me excited about it, and remember, we said on the show last year, we didn't like Keiko last year as, as a pickup, at least for where they were at last year. And he wasn't on the top of my list. Okay, if I had to rank all the guys that I wanted, he was right. But he's t-
1: you know he was top of the list this year. I yeah. mean he was he was not to interrupt you, but I mean if you what we did it, we sat here and we're like okay, let's 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 pick the top five starting pitchers that you would love to see in a White Sox uniform, omitting Strasburg and Cole because we knew that just wasn't going to happen. Right, Keiko was pretty much and if you Keuchel's pretty much on every list well, top he was. five well, like this is a guy this is a guy you would want to see in a Sox uniform
0: after after bumgarner and wheeler he was he was up uh, he was on my list he was sitting at third so yeah. uh, that's why i'm excited about the fact that they were able to go and grab him up i mean first of all you sign a scott boris client and you sign him to a reasonable deal compared to what pitchers are getting right now which it's is like, insane it,
1: it's four years with a fifth year option no, or is no, no, it no, it's three, three
0: years with a fourth year option three, three with a fourth year option three okay. for 55 with a fourth-year option. And, you know, immediately, the next night, on Sunday night, Ryu signs for four years and 80. And so okay. he, they, the, the Sox got a better deal. Yeah, they did. Than what, than what the Blue Jays got for Ryu. Plus... Because well,
1: the other thing is Ryu is older, and he's got, more, he's got more injury history. Right. And plus,
0: the White Sox were left with a chair. In the musical chair game of trying to get pitchers, which is something I talked about last week because you weren't able to get over here. Uh, In the musical chair game of pitchers with all these teams trying to get one of the top two tiers of starters, which was the Cole Strasburg and then the next group of Wheeler and Bumgarner and Keuchel and Ryu, there were going to be teams left without a chair. And my biggest fear was the White Sox are going to be left without a chair. But no, it was the Angels and the Twins left without a chair after use signs on Sunday. And the Sox, in in basically a 24-hour period, 36-hour period, get Gio Gonzalez for the back end and Keiko for the near top end. I mean, the way I look at it as I look at it is, to start the season is Giolito, Keuchel, and then whatever combination you want to have of uh, uh Gonzales, and Lopez. With I believe Kopech coming, but I don't think they're going to bring him up to start right away because he's going to be on an innings limit anyway. Right? What so gonna- why why start the season with him when you could control his, his his service time and then Rodon in the back half of the year? You have seven starters. Right.
1: Well, I was ju- on this team. I was just going to say that because I was thinking about this like in the you know when I was in the shower on the way over here, kind of just gathering my thoughts Thanks for, for have the visual. podcast. Well, hey, you know, listen, man. You can, listen. You can go to the gym anytime you want. You're doing keto. You're you're slowly but surely getting rid of your dad bod. You don't have to be jealous. It's fine. You know, I, I I work hard, so you know, you can picture me in the shower. I don't oh, um, so no. so so but so but anyway, I was I was thinking about this, and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is this is good because. What you've got now is you've got a s you've got a solid starting five right off the get from opening I call, day. I
0: don't know if I'd call Though Lopez at a rotation a part of something solid. No, until as, as, as a fifth
1: starter though? As a I fifth guess. starter? As I guess as a fifth starter? starter. But but here's the thing. You've got these you've got listen, you don't have to put bums out there on opening day when you're waiting for you know, when you're waiting for Kopech to come, when Dylan you're waiting Kobe's for never come out
0: there and pitch this year.
1: When you're waiting for uh, Rodon to come back, what this is going to do is when these guys finally come in uh, May, and now they're saying July-August for Rodon, respectively, now you've got something, you've got competition. You've got competition to stay in the rotation. Guys like Cease and Lopez are going to have to get it together, otherwise they're going straight to the bullpen.
0: Right. Because that's the thing. Like I, I, I read people's thoughts on social media, and right away it's like, "Oh, Gonzalez is there? Perfect. He's the placeholder until this guy gets here and this no, guy gets here." I don't, no, I don't think he I'm is. I'm gonna tell you something right now. Gio Gonzalez is gonna end up staying in the rotation. Yes, he is. You want him to be forced out, but more than likely, a Reynaldo Lopez is probably. I mean, this is. I saw when when you look at the list of names now at starting pitcher, notice is served a Reynaldo Lopez, a a player that his manager was not, his none, none too cr- kind no, to if you are man- reading between the lines at the end of the year. Reading between the lines, his manager was calling him out publicly
1: in the press, dude. Yeah. Like in the, in the last week of the season, he was, he was calling him out publicly.
0: You need to, it, like basically saying, when you show up to the ballpark, you should be focused only on pitching. Yes. And, and, and angry with him on his last mound visit that he went out there to go talk with him, visibly angry with Ray Lopez. And now Ray Lopez, there's a clock. And he's going to, he now has to, prove himself before Michael Kopech shows up and forces him to the bullpen. Right. Because he's the guy that if somebody sat there and said, who gets forced to the bullpen when Kopech gets there? It's Lopez.
1: If Ray Lopez comes out in April and falls on his face, you will see him move to the bullpen as your long guy or your sixth starter. And then, barring, God forbid, any injuries to the pitching staff, when Rodon comes back, he's going to start – and so, to me, the odd man out at that point is Cease. So if Cease doesn't, by August, if Cease hasn't shown you that
0: he's starting to figure it out, he, he's going to be in the same place. I think Cease is going to figure it out. I also look at Rodon as a guy, when he shows up, you may be giving Michael Kopech a week off every once in a while. Remember, he's coming back that first year back from Tommy John. The stats are bad. Guys just don't do as well. It's the second year back. Is that it? they're okay, really I, bad. I
1: didn't know that. So,
0: and he's going to be on an innings limit. And so you're not going to get him for a full season, which is why, I mean, there are a lot of people that are very confused by this. I've gone back and looked at the rules again. I've gone to the Major League Baseball website and I've tried to understand this whole service time thing. It doesn't matter that he started his career already up in the majors. His clock stops when he's officially a minor leaguer. It didn't stop when he was on a disabled list because he was injured while in the majors. So he has a year and like a couple of weeks of Major League service time. If the White Sox hold him back, for four weeks so that he finishes 2020 at a year and about a week short or two weeks short, they get an extra year of control. Okay. And so the, the, the sacks are, they should be in no hurry. I would love to see him up because look. If Robert's there on opening day, Madrigal's there on opening day, and Kopech's there on opening day, the White Sox are saying, we're going for
1: it. Absolutely. There is,
0: but the problem is, is that most likely you're going to see them play these games in the first month or so, which is going to frustrate and aggravate White Sox fans to no end. Because you're going to be like, what the heck? How can you say we're going for it? We're going to do something if we're not starting right away with these guys. The Kopech thing, though, is the easiest thing for them to explain. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery. And we don't see any reason if he's not going to pitch the entire season to have him up here pitching in games in long counts without getting him some experience at the minor league level and bringing him up in May. So that's that's where I see him coming. And then I see him pitching. And when Rodan gets there, you might see Kopech get shut down at the beginning of September with Rodan up. You might see eventually like they'll do like a little timeshare. You might get somebody to get moved. There's gonna be a lot of flexibility. Six man rotation for a couple weeks to get it. But it would be, yeah, it would be it. crazy to imagine that he's pitching all the way until the end of the year coming off of Tommy John. I would be surprised if they decided they wanted to do Here's the thing that the Keiko move signifies to me because until Keiko gets signed you're still living with the fear that they're not going to get one of those guys in that in that group of starting pitchers correct in getting him it now signifies to me that the White Sox are coming through on everything they said they were going to come through on they valued if you if you read what people were saying after the deal was done people that were talking to members inside the organization after they struck out on Wheeler Keiko was the next thing they were kicking the tires on everybody else but Keiko was there too and again you can argue until the sun goes down as to why Strasburg and Cole were never even possibilities but Wheeler was there one Keiko was there two in their plan right so they got their one player in terms of like you know hitter in Grandel. They got their best possible scenario there by going and jumping on him. Then they go and they get their second best pitcher that they wanted to go out and get. And then they go in, they get Gio Gonzalez, somebody that they've always, you know, they bring him on, to get rid of him, they bring him. He's finally going to pitch for the White Sox. It's amazing. Well, it's Unless guy, they trade him next and month. It's a guy Unless that, they package him with James McCann after they get Edwin Encarnacion. And, right. and, and they trade him away again. He's going to pitch for the White well, Sox. Well, And
1: the thing about the Gio thing, getting to the Gio thing, we, because I had sent you, like this all happened I got the news on Friday, Uh, I was in my car, somebody texted me, and then I texted you immediately, and it was like, Gio was one of the names that, when we were going over a couple of weeks ago, when we were going over the list of starting pitchers that were out there, there were some dark horse names that... You know, we're down toward the middle or bottom of the list that we were like, yeah, you know, you'd kind of like to see that dude in a Sox uniform. And Gio Gonzalez was one of those. So when they made the move, I was like, yes, this is good. This is the right thing to do because now, now you've got the back end of your starting rotation guy that
0: they initially said they were going to go and get. But now what it is is now they've done the thing that they said they were going to do. At bare minimum, they have two pitchers, they've got some left handed bats. They, they've got Grandal, who helps out their entire pitching staff, and they got Nomar Mazzara, who I'm, I'm not too terribly excited about. No, I am neither. Not but me. Not me either. If they but. Go, but if Mazzara, in their mind, gives them the ability financially now, because now the big rumor is Edwin Encarnacion, and adding him as their designated hitter, it's that move you didn't see coming. Mm. And then Grandal becomes like your everyday. Ca- it probably forces Zach Collins back to AAA. Well, it's definitely going to force Zach Collins unless, to AAA. Unless at that point you're you're trading James McCann because he's a commodity and he's really only going to be around for one more year because I don't think that they sign him past that year of control. And they go, this is the best we could ever get for James McCann. There's t- Everybody wants catchers. And we trade an all-star catcher and we get something else that we want. Like Here's the thing. By making these moves now, they have the freedom as a front office to sit there and say, if we walk into 2020 with this, it's not ideal, but it's good enough. If we want to make a move now, we have the freedom now to go and make those luxury moves. We can go get the we can get another guy in the bullpen. We could go get we could actually sit there and say, you know what? Let's go get Alex Wood too. Right, Let's just stack, stack, stack the starting up. pitchers yeah, up. Yeah, right, you know? exactly. Because he can go pitch out of the bullpen when because he, he's shown that he he can show that and he's got the, he's got a lot of potential. And then and then you know we can go get the Edwin Encarnacion. We could still look at a Castianos or an Ozuna in the outfield. Because if we decided we wanted to make that move there, you could then all of a sudden start saying, okay, if Eloy can't play defense like we wanted him to, we could eventually move DHM, him to yeah, well, the well, uh, The framework is finally in place well, Out, there. there aren't any holes. And, or, what you're you know. t- and
1: what you're talking about is the type of flexibility that they did not have last year with the starting rotation, with right field Uh, In particular, you know, and then ultimately with DH, those positions turned out to be dumpster fires because you did not have a plan B or a plan C for when plan A blew up in your face. Right
0: Now, I want to talk a little bit about Dallas Keuchel because there was a great blog. I, I felt like, you know, this blog was actually better than than most of the mainstream stuff that got put out on them. Okay. And uh, I'm going to announce it right now. We released a little early because of Christmas. We're going to release a day late after New Year's with a crossover episode with the 108. Uh, we have uh, we have all three of the guys coming here to my basement bar, and uh, we're going to record, and I'm going to give them, after the first half hour, which will be our weekly show, the rest of it will then become like, all the stuff they talk about on their on their podcast, which could be anything. so they're a little all, yes, all over the, the place. Beer, the beer will be flowing, but one of the members of the 108, okay, going by the handle of Beef Loaf. These are the guys that, <laughs> that sit out in Section 108 of the ballpark. And, and just get wasted. And they're like a, a cult favorite of the fans. Right, right. I mean, I went to their Christmas party. I mean... The people there just, there were people who traveled in from out of state oh, just to drink with these guys and had hotels nearby. And, like, well, I mean, and they're just a fun group of guys. That's kind
1: of their them. thing. They sit out in, right. you know, they sit out at the right field foul pole and they, they drink copious amounts of alcohol and they, they tweet out a lot of really fun stuff. Right. So
0: now there are some things though, that they, that got broken down in this, in this blog, which I thought were incredible. First of all, who's this blog now. It's, it's the From the 108 blog. Okay. Okay. And b is the 108 member that sent this out. Dallas, I'm just going to give you some of the bullet points of this. Okay? Okay. The White Sox starters last year, ERA plus, And ERA plus is at 100, you're average. If you have a ERA plus of, let's say, 127, you're 27% better than what a pitcher is in terms of how many runs they normally give up, how many earned runs a pitcher normally gives up. So it's like a plus-minus stat, like in hockey? Kind of okay. like that, okay? So you want to have a high one, all right? Last year, Giolito had a 134 ERA+. plus. Now think about how good Giolito was, and that makes sense. That'll give you a good comparison thing. Yes, okay. The rest of the guys, Nova was 97, so he's below 100, <laughs> okay? 3% worse than the average. Rodan was an 89. Lopez was an 85. Cease was a 79. Dylan Covey a 58. Oh, boy. That's your White Sox starters in 2019. Gio Gonzalez, 127. Immediately moves right into that thing. Yes. And Dallas Keiko, 121. So now you can see, I mean, that's, that's the difference that these two guys will make to your rotation. And you expect guys like Kopek to come back and pitch well, and you're looking for Cease. But you have this three-headed group now where all these other guys now have to prove themselves. Yes. Some of them will not. Some guys will not work out. Some guys will work out. But now it'll be very interesting to see who does it and who doesn't do it. The other thing that they talk about, and this is a thing that these guys have been harping on forever, is ground ball rate. Dallas Keuchel is a ground ball pitcher to the point where last year... Dallas Keuchel induced 60.1% of the hits against him were ground balls. Wow. That was the best in the majors with the next best being 56.9% was second place. He, he leads. And then if you look at him since his first full season in 2013 and every pitcher that's pitched since then, he is still the number one inducer of ground balls in the majors. Now this 59.6% of his pitches in his career, going to gr- as ground balls. Now, let me explain.
1: As you say that, I've got, I've got a couple of thoughts.
0: I want as to see if you that. catch up because I know you haven't read this article
1: yet. No, because, okay, so this is important. Why? Number one, uh, first of all, Sox Park is a home run friendly hitter is a home run hitter friendly ballpark. There's something else too about this that that is just kind of r- ringing me. What you've got is with your infield, You've got guys that are really solid defensively. You've got Madrigal, who is supposed to be a defensive stud. You've got Mankata coming into his own at third base. Tim Anderson is still a little Uh, bit of of an adventure at shortstop, but then you got Abreu solid in the infield. Your outfield, however, defensively is a bit scary with Eloy out there still learning, and you don't know what you're going to get defensively out of Robert. Now, the Mazzara thing... Helps you defensively in the outfield, but you've already talked about this and we've talked about this off Mike that that, that dude in your ideal world, that dude is platooning. That dude is not right. playing every and, day. And
0: he's and he's defensively probably just below average, but he's got a really he's got an above average arm. So let's, ground, let's talk about so
1: ground balls are huge yes, when you're pitching
0: at, at the cell. Let's talk about who this affects the absolute most. And I'm gonna give you a comparison that every White Sox fan will understand. Tim Anderson is going to have to work his butt off this year because Dallas Keuchel's a lefty. So the ground balls coming off the bat to a mostly right-handed group of hitters in go, Major League are Baseball are going to
1: pull to the shortstop are going side. going short yes. and
0: third. Yes. And Tim Anderson last year had 26 errors and a 951 fielding percentage. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. And we've talked about how the bat made up for the errors because of how well he hit. But... I want to remind you of Mark Burley's bad years. We all love Mark Burley. I love <laughs> me some Mark Burley. Mark, one Burley of my had bad.
1: Mark Burley had bad years. Oh,
0: he had some bad years. It was after Joe Creedy's back went out on him. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And there was no, and it was a hole all of a sudden over a third base. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Burley had to get four outs an inning because plays that Creedy would make were not being made. That the, That side of the infield was letting things through that should not have gotten through and all of a sudden Mark Burley becomes a pitcher that can't win a ball game and he's he's struggling through games and his ERA shooting through the roof and his whip is shooting through the roof because he's induced he's a left hander who's inducing ground balls that can't be fielded by the shortstop in the third baseman and that is the one thing now that you're going to have to watch is I think Moncada can handle third yes. But Tim Anderson scares the bejesus out of me (laughs) at shortstop because if you make Dallas Keuchel have to get four outs an inning because you can't handle plays over there, you take the effectiveness that we just talked about with Dallas Keuchel and you make it a hindrance. So this will be one of the things that White Sox fans will be watching now when Keuchel takes the mound. And will it be, if he's having struggles, Keuchel's fault or the defense to that side of the field covering him? And what would be the solution if it becomes a defensive problem?
1: Right, that, well, and that,
0: that's a storyline now for 2020.
1: Now, what the Sox will tell you, and what the you know, and what you're what you're seeing a little bit is, you know, Tim Anderson. They will point out that he is still improving defensively. Like they'll they'll tell you that. Well.
0: But There's nowhere to go but up, Dave. Right. Well, <laughs> like that's kinda, that's he kind of started at the worst possible that's, that's, position that's defensively. Kind of what I was saying. <laughs> Unless he goes out there and starts playing barehanded, he should be improving. You know. Now I wonder. I you know,
1: it's just I I, it, I know it doesn't matter, but to me, like just the eye test on when I've watched Tim Anderson, a lot more. Throwing errors than actual fielding because, errors. And, and, but a
0: lot of that comes from when he's moving towards third. Right. If you watch him in a game, he when he moves towards third, he almost... His angle seems to take him too far behind the bag. He's he, out in the outfield way too far.
1: Right, and he has to. he, he has to. He yeah. has to throw
0: to first base going backwards. So he's got to. You know. You see, that's the thing. When I watch him, like eye test wise, forget about all these sabermetrics and everything like that for a second, and the fielding percentages and everything. I like to sit out in the outfield, and when I sit there and I watch Tim Anderson field his position, I wonder whether or not he's not reading the ball off the bat well enough that he's, his jump is a little behind. Because if he was on things, could he make the play without having to go so deep into the outfield to cut the ball off that's being hit? Because he seems to have to go way behind third or way out into left field towards the line right. when he gets those things. He's not making that play just behind the dirt or in the dirt. He's making it way back there. And then it forces him now to have to turn around and fire a ball a great distance most of the time falling off in the one direction or something like that. And that's where a lot of his errors come from. So the I don't know how, how fixable that is. You, you know, if it's an instinct thing, you can't teach an instinct. No. If it's a positioning well, so I thing. I was just going to say, it's a, is it a yeah. positioning thing? Because you could easily teach that. Right. If it's a positioning thing, then it's something that the coaches need to address. But it definitely needs to be addressed when Dallas Keuchel's on the mound because it's going to be a weakness for you. If, if Keuchel's on the mound and, and Tim Anderson is not figured out how to do that, because you're going to have many innings, you're going to have several innings a game when Keuchel's pitching, he's going to have to get four outs because of the amount of ground balls that he induces. And that could change an entire game. You know, yeah, I mean, no, think right. about, I mean, look, we're White Sox fans. Hawk Carrollson goes into the hall of fame. Okay. But think about think about what Hawk always says. Like you can't like you can't he, give he
1: you can't give a team four hours. Harps
0: outs. on that all the time, right? Right. That one mistake by that umpire or that one thing that happened that changes the entire game.
1: Oh, it's and usually it was usually about the umpires. usually an umpire screws yeah, it up. But
0: right. in this case, it could be TA. And and again, I don't want to be hard on TA because I love this season and he proved me wrong at the plate last year. And his defense has improved a little bit. But there has it's going to be a glaring thing if he doesn't address it. So it's something that. They need to sit down and explain to him, like, you need to fix this. What do you think happens next? Oh. Is Mazzara your right fielder? No, I, I certainly hope not. Well, now think about this. His best, his best results, people say that he really was figuring things out back in the day when Frank Mankino was his hitting coach. And so, We're, does yeah. he, do, did the White Sox sit there and say, did, did the White Sox talk to Mankino and say, Can you fix this? Do you know what's wrong with him? He's like, Oh, yeah, you get him in here. I'll make him good. Here's the thing to me like, it has
1: to be that because there's no other explanation to, there's no other explanation to pass on all of the other right field, right fielders that are out there to get this guy. There's there's no reason to be like I, I I'm sitting here I'm like why this guy why did they target him? Would you, is, would you, but, what, they, what, but but what what is the I mean? Would you rather have him here today
0: than oh no, have I a would, hole?
1: I would rather have him here today, but I'm sitting there going, it, 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 why this particular dude above all else in right field perplexed me. But now that you bring up the Manquino thing, it has to be that it has to be like they talked to him and and was like yeah. I, I see what he's doing wrong. We can fix this. Mankino made
0: Giancarlo Stanton a beast. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And Stanton goes off to New York and never, and never, like he kind of backslides a little bit without his hitting coach. Mankino makes a difference in, in at least certain types of hitters. Maybe Mankino is the, there, there could be, you know, we always sit there and say they're so stupid up there. Because they do such stupid things, (laughs) right? Right. They do. But every once in a while, you have to believe that there's some, some intelligence that's going on up there. There's, there's been some intelligence with some of the other moves that they've made. Well, this Yosemite year this, this was an year, intelligent this year, move.
1: This year in particular. Right. Like, yeah, you I, to, like Gio something... Gonzalez
0: was an intelligent move. Dallas Keiko, when you look at the group of people, if you didn't get Wheeler, was an intelligent move. Nick Hostetler sent me a message. It's, it's a good fit.
1: Something has changed in the pro scouting of the front office this year. And, and, Nick and if it's Hostetler, yeah, then there you go.
0: And, and, the, and the other thing that I find really interesting is, is that worst case, if he has the platoon, you could put Leury Garcia or Adam Engel out there when he's playing when it when you have left-handed hitters because they they actually did really well against lefties. If you actually take their left-handed splits and put them with Mazzaro's right-handed splits, you make a player better than Nick Castellanos. <laughs> Look, the people who are always angry at the White Sox are always like grabbing these crazy numbers from left and right and showing like no oh, no no this thing here this percentage here which I love some of that stuff but. If you want to play with crazy numbers, play with that number. You can actually make a hitter better than Nick Castellanos by taking... Remember, you have a 26 man, so You can carry extra players. You can actually take the guy who's going to be your pinch runner a lot of times in Adam Ingle or your utility guy who can play who defense. Who can play defense. Who can play defense. And you can put that guy out there against left-handed pitching. Because guess what? In a, in a lineup right now that they have, especially if they go out and get Encarnacion... Mazzara's batting eighth or ninth. Right. Okay? He's not batting in the middle of the order. No. He's batting eighth or ninth. That's a pretty
1: good eight or nine the, hitter. The move did not anger me so much as it perplexed me. Like I said before, I'm like, like when it came through, I was kind of like, huh? What? Right
0: now, I'm going to Christmas happy. And it's something that I did not believe I would be two months ago. That we would go to Christmas with the four needs that Rick Hahn said that he wanted to go get at least filled in some way before Christmas. Did you see that? Scott Boras signing. <laughs> did, you on, see nonetheless. The, did you
1: see the did you see the not Rick Han Twitter? He's like, yeah, we signed Dallas Keichel third when all the Sox fans are drunk at their family and work Christmas parties. Oh, yeah. And he says there's going to be a lot. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of uh, September babies in Listen, the in Sox fan I, households. I'm going to tell you
0: something right now. I started that evening saying I wasn't going to have that much. I ended that evening blasted.
1: Really <laughs> nice. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcast can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.